Hello world, it's Charmaine Campbell and I'm back with another episode of Your Life Has Possibilities. This episode is dedicated to Black History Month. I am so excited. We are highlighting black women in the world of hair. Um, And we are going to discuss Madam C.J. Walker. I will give you a brief history of her. But before then, we're going to interview some women who are very close to me in the hair industry, starting off with my very own grandmother, Hazel Campbell, who resides in Canton, Ohio. So say hi, Grandma, to the listeners. Hi. (laughs) So, Grandma, how long have you been doing hair? Yeah, Yeah, about 40 years. 40 years? Yeah. So, how have you seen the hair industry change from when you first started to 2019? 40 years is a long time. Yes, it is. And there has been a great change in the hair since I started. We got all new products. We got new ways of doing hair. We don't do it like we used to do. Like, and press and curl is just about, um, yeah, it's it's not that much going on with the press and curl, but it's still going on. And uh, even now they're pushing their, their perm out because it's going with the silk press. They got silk press going on now. But uh, it has been through a lot of change. The products have changed. The way of, way we used to do hair has changed. But some of the old styles are still, still out there, just like the press and curl. And the, and the finger waves, I don't think they're going to never go <laughs> Yeah, out. people look good with finger yeah, waves. they're not going to never go out. The finger waves and the press and curl is not going to go out. But uh, we got other ways of doing hair. Uh, they do the, they're doing the sip press now, which is very beautiful what they do now. And the products, all the products has changed. And... Uh, when you say change, Grandma, I can remember as a little girl, you know, I was afraid mm-hmm. <laughs> to get my hair yeah. straight and combed. And um, you would always tell us to sit still. Yeah. And now people use flat irons. Yeah, they and, use the flat irons. <clears throat> and they and they also curling the uh, hair with the flat irons. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it straightens the hair just like a, like a straightened comb, but it's flat. And... and Really, what it's done is took us back to the first uh, press and curl. The flat iron has taken us back to the first uh, press and curl. Because when they first started doing with Madam C.J. Walker, mm-hmm. when she started doing the press and curl, mm-hmm. she did it with a flat iron. Oh, okay. She did it with a flat iron. Okay. She used to take the flat iron and, and it would open up like a... You know, like a curling iron open up, and she pull it through the hair. That's the way they press the hair when they, when Madam C.J. Walker first started doing it. And then they started, then they came out and they invented the the comb. Oh, okay, okay. And then they started the pressing it. Okay. With the comb, but when they first the first uh, pressing iron was a flat iron, mm-hmm. and now we done went back to it. Cause a lot of people don't know that. So, Grandma, can you tell us um, a little bit about Madam C.J. Walker? When I was looking um, up some of the things she invented, she had like bleaching cream, and she had pressing, pressing curls. She, oil. she. Uh, Do you remember using any of her products? And yes, can you tell us a little bit yes, about her? Yes, when I was a little girl coming up, my grandmother used 
we used, that's all we knew was Madam C.J. Walker. She, she invented the shampoo, the uh, oil for your hair. And, she, and uh, she first started out with her chemistry. She was the first chem, chemistry mm-hmm. person that invented stuff for the hair. Okay. And she did that in her kitchen. Oh, wow. She did it in her kitchen. Do you know any stories about Madam C.J. Walker? Uh, I know she was the first rich, first black millionaire. That's right. Self-made. <laughs> Self-made Self-made. That's I what know I'm that. talking about. Yeah. How do you think she helped change the hair industry? Well, you know how if you see some of the movies uh, of Africa, how the women had their hair tied up and stuff. Mm-hmm. But that's the way the women used to wear their hair back during Madam C.J. Walker's day. Until Madam C.J. Walker took them scars off in their head and started doing their hair. And she started doing all this in her kitchen. In the kitchen. She created all that. So you said scars. Does that go back to Aunt Jemima on the syrup? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, and that's what they, that's what the black women's wore, they wrapped their heads up. So she took them, brought them out of them scar so they could, could show their hair and stuff. You know, and start to, sh- so they could see the beauty. Right. Of it. And, uh, that's, that's how, that, and she, and she, she was a self-made millionaire, like I said. From, that was from her product. And they still got some, uh, they're still selling some of uh, Madam C.J. Walker's products out there. Oh, really? Yes, they do. I have a, I have a paper, uh, book, I have a book of, on her. Okay. Yeah, I have a book about well, Madam C.J. Walker's you life. show me that, Grandma. Yeah, I, I have that. They, uh, one year we went to <clears throat> a convention in, uh, was it in Columbus? I think it was in Columbus. We went to a convention, and they was passing out some books <clears throat> about Madam C.J. Walker. And all, all the conventions when we had the state conventions, they always talk about Madam C.J. Walker because, uh, I mean, she the one put, she started the industry for mm-hmm. for black, mm-hmm. and you know, because they didn't they didn't do their hair. They walked around like look like. My grandmother used to say we're going to little peewees and little <laughs> nappy head. <laughs> we're like, uh, what's that? That little used to come up, come out. Uh, the the little kids used to run around. Buckwheat. Buckwheat. Yeah, looking <laughs> like buckwheat. <laughs> and uh, she she brought us all out and she taught us taught us how to uh, make ourselves. You know, present ourselves to you know out there and make us look nice. Yeah, with the hair, you know, you know, if your hair ain't becoming to you, Good. it's not becoming to to know. <laughs> you know, if your hair is not becoming to you, yeah, you should be coming to us, right. which is a beautician, right? <laughs> so that was that was our saying. Now, and for our club, we always said that if your hair is not becoming to you, then you should be coming to one of us. <laughs> so, so grandma, that's my question because yeah. a lot of women say I can do my own hair and uh, they do their hair. And some people are, you know, ladies do a great yeah, job. Some, of it. some people are gifted enough that they can do their, do a good job on their hair. But do you feel like women should invest in their hair? 
they should take time to go to the beauty salon and get yes, their hair done? Yes, I think they should. I think women, you if you got a job, you work, and you should. That's that's uh what you call uh, uh how would I put this now? How you present yourself? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to say how would you put this? Like the women should go and get their hair done. That's that's something that we owe to ourselves. Uh huh. To go and sit and relax. Mm-hmm. And get our hair done. Let somebody else do it. You know, there's a lot of women can do their hair at home real good. Because I can do my hair, at, hair, but I'd rather sit down and relax and let someone else do, do it. Mm-hmm. That's our leisure time, you know. You go get out and let somebody else do it. Pamper me. Right. You know, women need to be pampered. When you did hair, Grandma, um, what was your favorite hairstyle to do? Well, tell you the truth, I love them all. Okay. I loved all of them. But my favorite one was uh, Finger Wave. Okay. And I, I think I was pretty good at I it, too. I think so. You still good at Finger <laughs> Wave, Grandma. Really <laughs> and uh, I liked it that. I, I loved the Finger Wave. I remember when I was a little girl coming up, and I used to see my aunts now with their hair like that. And I said, when I get big, I'm going to wear my hair like that. <laughs> But you know what I'm saying? I could finger wave everybody else's hair, and it was so beautiful. But I could never get nobody to finger wave my hair to satisfy me. I know, because sometimes they're uneven, the yeah, pattern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but uh, I love the finger wave. You know, your aunt still loves finger waves. Yeah. She talking about she going to wear finger waves at her, at her daughter's wedding. <laughs> yeah. And she said that Sakia said some lady down there in Columbus is supposed to be doing finger waves for the for all of the bride maids and stuff. Oh, well, that's going to look good. Yeah. That's going to uh-huh. look real good. Yeah, so I don't know how true that is, but... So, Grandma, what do you think about um, this new wave of everyone going natural? Like, seem as I though... I think it's beautiful. Okay. I think it's beautiful. I think it's really beautiful because uh, there's so many, you know, like a lot of... Uh, the chemical was nice, you know, getting the hair uh, perm and everything, but... Then it start, it's, it's a sort of, everybody can't wear chemicals in their hair, especially with, if they're on medication. Mm-hmm. If you're on medication, chemical is bad for your hair. Because that's why I stopped using, stopped uh, uh, getting my hair a, a perm because uh, I had high blood pressure. Okay. Uh, I started having high blood pressure and I started to, and you know, when I was wearing a perm, it, it made my, it thinned my hair out. Mm-hmm. So I had to stop. Getting so you recommend medicine. women who take medicine? Yeah, and- I, that's that's what if you on any type of medication because see hair gets its food through blood. Okay. So anything that goes into that bloodstream, it's gonna go into it's gonna affect their hair because that's mm-hmm. where the hair gets their food through blood. And that's why it's important for women to take yeah. their vitamins. Yeah, and right. Eat healthy so they right. can have a healthy head of right. hair. And so their blood can, so they can have good, healthy blood. Because if your blood, you got problems with your blood, then you're going to have problems with your hair. Oh. And your skin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you have to be careful with that. And that's why I tell people, a lot of people don't educate. They need to educate their clients. Yeah. To chemicals mm-hmm. because if they on they've got high blood and uh they gonna they gonna have a problem with their hair mm-hmm. i mean you know you got you got you know that's where the, it gets the food food mm-hmm. from blood mm-hmm. you know your 
there's your blood, whatever's in your blood gonna go into your hair. Mm-hmm. And your nails. That's why you see people, you see a lot of people got a hair, beautiful head of hair, beautiful nails, where they got nice, their blood, they got, they got healthy blood. Okay. That makes sense, Grandma. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I can remember growing up and you would say, you keep eating all that spicy food. That's why your hair is so thick. Yeah. That pepper. Uh, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Now, that's good. They say uh, spicy food is good for your hair. Vegetables is good. Seafood is good. Oh. Yeah, a lot of people don't like to eat eat seafood, you know, like fish and oysters and stuff like that. Those, those things are good for your hair. Mm-hmm. They, they, have, they, have, they have good vitamins in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You take, you take, you watch a person that eats a lot of seafood. Yeah. They got a healthy head of hair. Okay. Yeah. That's good. So, you know, a lot of women wear wigs because mm-hmm. they like versatility. You know, yeah. you have some women wear braids. They yeah. put the the lace front wigs or the half wigs or yeah. ponytails, but um, sometimes they don't take care of the hair underneath. Yeah, you got to take care of the hair up underneath because I've been wearing wigs often on for years, but I I don't forget what I got on my head. <laughs> <laughs> I take care of my hair. I make sure my scalp is, is clean. You know, shampoo my hair. Shampoo my hair every two weeks. And and give and I uh, give myself a treatment once a month, and uh, you got to protect that hair too. That's just like you wearing clothes. Shoot, you got to take care of your body up under them clothes. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. So anything that you put on your you put, you start wearing stuff on your head, you got to make sure your hair underneath there is taken care of too. So grandma, that would that would take your hair out too if you wear wear wigs all the time and don't protect your hair mm-hmm. that you got on your head. You can thin it out like that wearing wigs and stuff and not take taking care of your hair. Mm. You have to do that. So does it get thin by shedding or? It'll cause it, it'll get dry under there. You don't never do it. You wear a wig like on your head for months at a time and you ain't shampoo your hair mm-hmm. and you ain't put nothing on it. Mm-hmm. You know you got to keep your your uh, hair moisture. You got to keep your hair, your scalp oily. Cause some people have oily scalp, and then there's people, some people that have dry scalp. Mm-hmm. If you got a dry scalp, scalp, then you need to get oil treatments at least once a month. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can't let it dry, let your hair dry out. Cause anything get dry, it's gonna break. It's just like that grass out there. That grass, <laughs> that grass out there in that yard, it get dry. It's gonna break. That's right. That's right. That's right. And your hair the same way. So you have to treat you have to treat your hair just like you go. If you got a yard, you want your yard to be pretty and green, then you got to take care of it. That's if right. you want your hair to be pretty, you got to take care of it. Anything that you don't take care of, it's gonna die. That's right. That's right. So speaking of dying, you know, if we don't take care of our spiritual life, yeah, it'll die. It'll die. And um, you know, we grew up going to church with you, Grandma, yeah. and watching you pray, mm-hmm. and you pray with us, and we still can call you today and say, Grandma's yeah, oh, yeah. in prayer with me, or oh, yeah. I'm about to go take this and test. I'm, Are you praying for me? Or I'm nothing. Take the take the place of prayer. And so, um, as a beautician, you know. As a customer, you build a close relationship with your hairstylist. A lot of times, your customers tell you a lot of their personal business, and they they want advice from you. So, um, over the years, how do you believe your relationship with God 
help to uh, strengthen or develop your relationship with your customers? How has God helped you in the hair industry? It helped me. That's why I'm here today. <laughs> it helped me. That's why I'm here today. Because, I mean, there's nothing that you can do with if, if you think that you can go through life without Christ in your life, then you, I feel sorry for you. I feel sorry for <laughs> you because, because you can't, you cannot make it without him. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't even try. I wouldn't even try. Because I, when I growing up as a little girl, my grandmother taught us that, you know, you got to have Jesus in your life. He's the one that makes the way. He's the one that takes care of you. And you can't, you can't do nothing without him. Amen. And, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't even try. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even try to do anything without him. Cause he, he wake you up in the morning, he put you to sleep at night, and he takes care of you during the through the night. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh-uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, no. Cause nobody can do you like Jesus. <laughs> what nobody say? Can't nobody do you like Jesus, honey? Uh, uh-uh, uh, I wouldn't even try. You do nothing without him. So, yeah. Grandma, do you have any hair a hair tip? Before we close out, a hair tip for the listeners. Stay healthy. Stay healthy. And your hair be healthy. (laughs) Eat good. Don't stop eating the old stuff that ain't good for you. You know, you eat plenty of vegetables. And you got to have plenty of protein. Protein is what builds that hair. Mm -hmm. You have to have plenty of protein. If you can't get it in your food... Take you some protein vitamins. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, they have protein powder. Yeah, they have protein vitamins out mm-hmm. there. Take mm-hmm. you vitamins with got protein in it. Yep. Because that's what I, I took a lot of protein vitamins because I don't like milk. They say milk is good, but I don't love, I don't care for milk. Mm-hmm. The only time that I get milk in me is like in my food. Uh, You know, I... When I eat cereals, like I have milk in that, like that, and I cook with milk. But as far as taking a glass of milk and turning it up to my head and drinking, I don't mm-hmm. do it. I can't. I can't do that. I can't do it. But you know, when I was coming up as a little girl, I was raised up on milk because we had plenty of milk. We had a milk cow. <laughs> Lived on the farm and had to milk the cow in the morning. Mm-hmm. We had plenty. Of milk. Maybe that's what happened. I think I might have drank too much milk when I was growing up. <laughs> so, Grandma, this podcast is called um, Your Life Has Possibilities. And um, what God has dropped into my spirit is there's a lot of things been poured into me over the years, you know, with me going through high school and through college. I've had several mentors and now in my job, and I've been built up by people who paved the way, including you, Grandma. Mm-hmm. And so um, some of those jewels that have been dropped into my spirit, I'm trying to feed those to others, to let them know there's a whole world of possibilities out there for you. Mm-hmm. And if you keep God first, he will show you yes. the purpose he yes. has for your life. Yes, so I can remember growing up as a little girl, you had several beauty salons. Grandma, you yeah. was making some good yeah. money. Yeah. I did my share. So, <laughs> so to close out, this is yeah. our last question. So I can remember you had the um, the shop over there with Bobby's brother. You know, I brother. worked. You can find how many shops I worked. Yeah. In. So did you think it was impossible? And and what what um, motivated you to open up your own business? Your own business. Yeah. Oh. Well, I tell you like this: as a little girl coming up, my grandmother always told me that 
because I had her mouth. And she told me that if I, I better stay in school and get an education and become my own boss because I would, that would be the only way I'd make it. <laughs> Why'd she say that? Because I was, you know, you, take, you find some kids that uh, speak out. Mm-hmm. So I was one of them that would speak out. And I didn't like to take orders. Mm-hmm. So she said, you better get your own Get your education, get your own business, <laughs> because that's the only way you're gonna make it. <laughs> and that's and, and and that's exactly what happened. So I was, you know, by me being believing in Christ and praying and asking the Lord to make a way for me for different things. You know, I had eight kids, right? And then went back to school, and and got and became a beautician. Mm-hmm. And the, and the Lord blessed me with a, a good friend when I came out of school. He uh, had a place waiting for me. Wow! And he took me to this place and he asked me, he said, well, "Do you think this would be a nice place to set up a, a beauty salon?" And the, the last, my last day of school, and I said, "I said what?" He said, "Yeah." He said, "I'm gonna rent this." Say if you think it's nice enough for a beauty salon. I said, we can set a beauty salon up in here. And I said, yeah. So he went about doing it. He went on it and then he got it. And then he took me to the beauty supply store and then let me pick out the stuff that I needed to set up the shop. Oh, wow. And set up the shop. So I was lucky enough when I started to work, I didn't start in nobody else's shop. I started in my own. Wow. But I had to work on the, um, I wasn't a manager, so I couldn't work in the shop without a manager. So he met this guy that had a sister that was um, had her manager license. Mm-hmm. And so he brought her over and me and her talk, and she said she would come and work with me and be the manager for a year. And after a year, I could go to state board and get my manager license. I either go back to school and, and, uh, get my manager. Mm-hmm. So I was ready to go to work. Okay. So she came and she worked with me for a year. And after the year was up, I went to state board and got my manager. Look at God. Yeah. So nothing is impossible, no, right? No, nothing is impossible. Hey, you his, his, if you where there's a will, there is a way. <laughs> <laughs> with God, all yeah, things are with, possible. With, yeah, with God, all things is possible. Yes, and he said you make one step, he'll make two. <laughs> so you got you got to tell it is it's it's all in the person. It's what you want out of life. Mm-hmm. Life is just what you want. Mm-hmm. If you don't want nothing out of life, you won't get nothing. That's right. That's right. But you got to make you got to make that move. And and one thing, don't forget to keep Jesus in your life. Mm-hmm. Put him first. You, he he he's the first. He's the first. You the first year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you got to keep him first. You keep him first in your life. Everything will work out. All right. We're going to put an amen on that, Grandma. Yeah, amen. <laughs> amen. So we do yeah. hope that you enjoy listening to Grandma yeah. Hazel yeah. talk about her life story mm-hmm. and um, all of the steps she took to be successful in her life. Please listen out for further interviews as we dedicate this episode to Madam C.J. Walker. Oh.
I know you're going to give us some great insight. Today was a special day for you. You held your first um, class on other people, how you do silk press. You are a sought-after stylist in Canton, Ohio. So could you tell everyone how long have you been doing hair? I've been doing hair as a licensed beautician for 23 years. Wow. That's a long yeah. time. It is. It's a blessing. <laughs> yes. It's definitely a blessing to be in this business for that length of time. What's the name of your shop and the location? It is called Coffeers Hair. It is. And it's in Canton, Ohio. Um, so what steps did you take to be, get into the beauty industry to do hair? Like what schooling? Were there internships? Were there a certain amount of hours you needed? Could you tell us what you had to do to become um, a hairstylist? So I um, have always said that it was three jobs that I wanted to do as a child. That was to be a mom, to be a secretary, and to be a beautician. And I wanted to be a beautician so bad because I watched my grandma all my life be a beautician. I ended up being a mom. And being a beautician, you sometimes have to take on the role as a secretary so because I knew that I wanted to do hair since I was four I um, went to high school and took on cosmetology while I was in high school uh -huh. I had to do two years of cosmetology and get 1500 credit hours and then with after you completed the 1500 hours you go to Ohio State Board of Cosmetology and take a test to demonstrate not only um, hands-on, but also a paper test as well to test your knowledge, to be able to let them know that you are ready to be in this industry. So I took that test and by the grace of God, I passed. And like I said, 23 years later, here I am. Good. So it seemed as though you were determined, number one. And with that determination, you didn't allow anything to stop you to reach your dreams. It was something you knew you wanted to become and you took the necessary steps. So kudos to you. And I said that because this podcast is titled Your Life Has Possibilities. And oftentimes people have dreams and because they either A, have children or they feel like they don't have support they don't move forward with their dreams. Is there any advice you can give the listeners out there who feel like they have a few stumbling blocks or they've gone through some trials and tribulations and they just feel like giving up? Definitely. Because I have been doing hair for 19 years before I actually stepped out on faith and started doing it full time. Before then, I would only do it part-time because I did have children and had to be able to adjust my time to their schedule as well as a work schedule as well as what I loved to do, which was hair. But then there came a time that through all of the trials and tribulations of having kids and raising a family, I still wanted to do hair. So I never stopped and I never gave up on my dream because it's what I've been wanting to do since I was four. So then life happened 
and I had a major surgery in 2015 that changed my whole entire life. It changed my whole entire perspective and it it made me have to be still and know who God was. Mm. It made me have to step back from Tawan trying to order her steps to God order my steps. And so he starts showing me all of these things and having these conversations with me. And I used to say to people all the time, how do you hear God talking to you? He must not be talking to me because I don't be hearing him. But it wasn't that he wasn't talking to me. He was. I just wasn't listening. Oh, that's good. That's good. So in that moment, I had no choice but to listen. And then he told me to quit my full-time job and do hair full-time. And so I did that. And like I said, you're going to have those moments where it seems like nothing makes sense. And the things that you should do to be able to get to your dream are going to seem like somebody is constantly closing the door on you. But if it is something that you are passionate about, that you want to do, that you feel like God has blessed you with this gift to do, then you won't stop because you know that you need to move out the way and allow him to order your steps. And a lot of times what makes sense to us is not the way that he wants us to go. Because had God blessed me to be able to have all of what I have now 19 years ago, then I wouldn't have appreciated it as much as I do now that I've been through something. That's good. That's good. You know, you said three things that really stuck out to me. Um, Being still. So in the moment of stillness, it gives us time to reflect and truly meditate on the word of God. And oftentimes we don't take time to do that. You know, we pray and we do all the talking but do we pause and listen to what he's saying? No, because it's like, I'm getting everything out that I have to say, but I'm not taking that time to meditate and to truly listen to what God is saying. So I thank God for you bringing that out. And the second thing, um, you said you just stuck with it. You knew you had this dream and you wanted to make sure that you fulfilled it because it was something on the inside. And that's something on the inside wasn't just you it was God pressing that upon your heart and oftentimes people don't understand that if something is truly pressing in your soul and in your spirit it is God pushing you out to meet that purpose he has for your life and we're going to get into that a little deeper as I ask you a few more questions and I think the listeners will understand why that was dwelling in you so much it was like a spring of water just in you that needed to be released And then you also said um, some things don't make sense. So on Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, the Lord says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. So we have to understand who he is. He's God. He doesn't think like us. He doesn't move like us. But we need to trust him. So we walk by faith and not by sight. Exactly. When we say faith, um, your your email address is so cute. The little shop on Maple, and some people might uh, frown against that because it's a little shop. But can you talk to the listeners about does do you believe it matters the size of a shop? Why or why not? 
No, I don't. Because I feel like even though the salon where I'm at is a little shop on Maple, the salon itself means so much more than what is actually inside. It is the outside. It is why I'm in the little shop on Maple. It is my grandmother's salon that she has passed down to me. So it has had many people coming through it, coming and going all the time. So it's just like how a, a house is a home if you make it a home. So that little shop on Maple, the size of it doesn't matter because when you are inside, you feel like you are in a mansion. Amen. And you feel like that because of what is coming out of it. So when we in that shop, it allows me to be able to be what I couldn't be at that job that I was at in the, you know, the not corporate world, but doing um, a desk job. I wasn't able to reach people and give my testimony and listen to people and maybe pray for them and do things for them. But in this little shop on Maple, God has provided me with my own little piece of the pie to be able to tell people of his goodness and his glory and not have to worry about if I'm on the phone too long on a call or if somebody is going to come and tap me on the shoulder and say, Oh, you need to text, take the next call. It is go ahead and do what it is that I bring you here to do. Amen. Amen. And you know, in the word of God, as Zechariah 4 and 10 says, do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. So you never know where you will end up at the end of it all. But I like the way you said there's almost like a hidden treasure in the shop. Because you and I watched Grandma build that shop up from the ground up, you know, it was in the basement, then it moved over to the salon. And what what you have done with it is like outstanding. It looks like a whole different salon. So again, kudos to you for what you are doing, what God has placed in your hand. So we are dedicating this podcast to Madam CJ Walker. And I interviewed Grandma earlier. She gave uh, some really good information about her. Are you familiar with Madam CJ Walker? Yes, ma'am. And and how she paved the way for black women to take care of their hair. Mm-hmm. So. And as I was going to say, as a little girl, you read books and you um, have social studies and you find out little things about your history that are taught to you by somebody else. But um, some years ago, and it's been about 10 years ago, I had the opportunity of being able to be at the Canton Museum with Grandma and me and her played the part of Madam C.J. Walker at a young age and at an older age. And there was so much stuff taught to me, not by a social studies teacher or by somebody that didn't really know certain things but taught to me by my grandma, somebody that had grew up down South and had grown up having to use these tools and these implements that looked like nothing to be able to do hair and straighten hair. And, you know, it, 
it just enlightened me because Madam C.J. Walker was like a hero to her like she was to me. Right. Right. She talked about that and, and how she took women out of head scarves. You know, you see in the history books and on the movies, we didn't realize Madam C.J. Walker was responsible for women taking the scarves off their head. So with that in mind, with Madam C.J. Walker helping women or promoting black hair care, how important is it for black women to take care of their hair? It is very important. It is very important. Our hair is our crown and glory. And our hair, even though people will say, oh, well, it's just hair. It'll grow back. It'll do this. It'll do that. It is a representation. To me, I feel like it's a representation of what can happen. You know, how somebody's body can go from a, a baby being an infant to being a young adult to being a grown person you're able to be able to take someone's hair and it go from a baby with no hair then you grow it to this hair and then it becomes this beautiful long luscious hair as a young adult and then by the time they get older then the hair starts to revert and it goes back to that hair texture of how it was when you were a baby and when you were younger to where it's more fine and it's more curly and it's a better grade because now you're not putting all of the chemicals and the color in it and you but if you don't take care of that from the beginning then by the time you get to that stage where it gets to revert back to that younger gorgeous curly hair then you have none to do that so I think that it's important that you just like you would take care of your body so that it can have nourishment and it can flourish. That's the same way you need to take care of your hair. So this leads into my next question. Do you do you believe women should invest in their hair? Should yes. Part of your budget? Yes. And I think that if you put it as a part of your budget, then it helps you on so many levels. Because we as women, we tend to try to take on so many things, not because we have to, but because we feel like we need to. So a lot of times um, I am able to be able to hear somebody's testimony of how they are finally taking time for themselves. And if that's the one thing that they get to do for their self out of their paycheck is get their hair done, then they are fine with that. And I love doing hair and I loved it when I was four because I got to see my grandma's customers come in one way and leave out another way. Mm-hmm. It was like they felt like the weight was lifted off of their shoulders and for two weeks or three weeks then all was well because they were able to come in and talk to my grandma and she would be like this counselor to them. She would speak the word to them and then they would leave out feeling like how someone needs to be filled when they have left from church. You know, you want to go and you want to get fed. Mm -hmm. You don't want to go somewhere and have a bunch of negativity, but you also are able to leave feeling like, oh, I look good. 
<laughs> and, and I can go and conquer the world. And that is important because who doesn't want to be able to feel good about themselves, <laughs> even when everything is crumbling down? You you know what? Uh, you just brought a good point out. And I thank God for you bringing it out. Um, everybody wants to look good. And I often wonder why in... Um, especially in our community, in the black community, this is just my personal opinion, Charmaine's opinion. Um, in the experiences I've had, and I hear other women talk, when they see another woman looking good, they don't want to compliment, or they feel like she thinks she's looking like something. She do feel like she's looking like something. She feeling good about herself. Boost her, boost her up too, you know? And it's not about being egotistical or not being humble. But um, it's okay to give another woman a compliment when you know she looking good. Just say, girl, you got it going on. Yes, yeah. Just don't understand that. Um, That was just a sidebar, but I like that you brought that out. Um, My next question for you, because everybody is going natural now. And so there's so many different products out there. Can you just discuss a little bit about relaxed hair, and natural hair and is there really a difference yes there's a major difference because when you have the thing that um i've said is and one of my customers or my uh, clients pointed this out to me is that all our lives as black women we were taught um that in order for us to have our hair straight that we had to have a relaxer and we were taught that, and not by grandma, but just society in itself, that when you have your hair curly or in an afro or, you know, your natural state, that your hair was nappy and it was not manageable. So you needed that chemical in order to relax your I mean, in order for your hair to be straight. And I am, I've had a relaxer for the majority of my adult life so I'm not knocking it and I'm not saying that um anybody that still gets a relaxer is just terrible because all of my clients are natural but I am saying that eventually what we do to our hair it will start to bring wear and tear on it so when you are constantly putting chemicals in it to straighten it when you're constantly um, doing all these wow, pretty crazy colors, eventually it's going to start to dry that hair out. And eventually it's going to be where just like if a person was um, on some type of medication, once they're, they get better, they have to slowly wean themselves off of that medication. If not, their body is going to go through something because it's like, dang, I've been used to this all this time and now you're taking it away from me. So that's the same thing for a relaxer. And it's at a certain age begins to thin people's hair out. Mm. So I feel like as we get older and especially now that there's so much more acceptance that should have been a long time ago that you 
are able to maintain your natural hair. And if you're able to maintain it and not have any chemicals and be able to be relaxed or free, then why not do it? And I, I've noticed just with my clients that when I used to get a relaxer, I didn't like my hair until about the second week. Because the first week, I felt like it was too straight or I had some scabs because I didn't scratch or, you know, it just was lifeless. But when I do my natural clients hair, no matter if they leave straight or they leave with curls, that hair has movement. It has more flow to it because it's not weighed down with all of the products that our hair has to take or need in order to get it straight from that relaxer. So yeah, there's a big difference. And I tell um, people all the time, eventually you need to take care of your own hair. You know, it's okay to wear braids. It's okay to wear sew-ins and to do all of this stuff. But what about when you get 60? Mm-hmm. What is that hair up underneath there going to be looking like? <laughs> Are you going to have edges? Are you going to be able to pull your hair in a ponytail? Like what you have to be able to maintain your hair while you are wearing somebody else's hair. Mm-hmm. So it's very, you know, important that people get their ends trimmed every six to eight weeks, that they get deep conditionings every four to six weeks, that they take care of their hair. In the class that I did today, I said, sometimes I think that people forget that in the winter, our body gets dry Mm -hmm. because there's no moisture. So if our body is getting dry, why wouldn't we think our hair would get dry? Right. So why wouldn't we take care of that? Well, you, you know, you mentioned you um, held a class today where you had a licensed cosmetologist there and you also had students from the beauty college there. So you've become pretty um, famous almost in your own right in Canton as a hairstylist. Like everyone knows who Tawana Campbell is and um, you're pretty booked. How did you begin to market and brand yourself as a, as a hairstylist? Well, I asked a lot of questions with other stylists. I, I um, always, you know, when I would see somebody doing something, I would ask questions and whatnot to figure out how they did their business and how they, you know, did something, especially if it was something that caught my eye or something that I wanted to see. I feel like you should always ask questions because if not, then you just assume things. Mm -hmm. So um, I wanted to figure out stuff and then um, I asked questions. So I was able to get, figure out how to work style seat, which is the online um, app that clients can go and they can book appointments without having to um, worry about contacting the stylist or waiting for the stylist to contact them. They're able to see, um, if there's availability on their own, they're able to go in and schedule the appointment on their own. If something comes up and they're not able to make it, they're able to go in and cancel that appointment. So it basically gives the clients, it allows them to feel like they're in control 
as well. But it gives you control as the beautician because if there's an a if I have something to do or my daughter has a game, then I'm able to go into that appointment book on style seat ahead of time and block off them days. So then I'm not at the last minute contacting someone, which sometimes that happens and I may have to do that as well if something comes up. But I'm not constantly bothering somebody and saying, Oh, I can't do your hair on this day because I have this because I've known in advance that I've had that. So I I've already had it blocked off and then when it came to uh uh being able to show before and after pictures which I feel is important because mm-hmm. sometimes you'll see a video and you'll see somebody's hair and it's just gorgeous but you don't know what that hair looks like before or a lot of times with natural styles you'll see somebody with a two strand twist out and it's gorgeous but you don't know how they maintain that two strand twist out so I think it's important for me to show before and after videos of what the client looks like when they came in and how it progressed what it looked like at the shampoo bowl when I blow dried them and so on and so forth so then you're able to see that transition and you people aren't afraid to be able to do that style because if you're doing somebody's hair that is real coarse and that is really short and it comes out in this manner and you've got to see each step then you're like oh I can get that or I can do that (laughs) you know what I mean and you're not feeling so um, nervous about it or thinking "Mm I know she ain't gonna be able to do this hair Mm -hmm. and by me putting that stuff on Instagram and um, Facebook and then me making a Coffee's Hair It Is Facebook page and um, hashtags, like all of that stuff has helped me. And because I am 41, it's a lot of stuff with social media that I wasn't aware of or didn't understand. But I have younger clients and younger children that let me know what the things are and what I should use and to keep me up to date but not make me go out of my comfort zone right right that's important so I want us to put in perspective for the listeners because when I said famous they probably like why she call her famous could you (laughs) (laughs) I mean I think you need to put it in in numbers terms of numbers how many customers do you see on average per week or your daily average, which one is easier for you to give? So uh, per week, I probably see anywhere between 30 or a little more than 30 clients a week. And that's with me working either um, five to six days. Mm -hmm. But in another perspective, um, when I, and I'm just piggybacking off of when God spoke to me and told me to quit my job. When I left my job, I was making $220 a week at my job. I stepped out on faith and I asked God if he could please just allow me to be able to show my husband who needed to see it more than just step out on faith and believe it if I would be able to um, that I would be able to quit my job and do this full time and God not only showed up but he showed out and he allowed me 
to be able to be the breadwinner in my family. Mm-hmm. And my next available appointment today is March the se- or February seventeenth. My next available appointment is in July. Mm. I don't have any available appointments for a silk press with short hair, a silk press with body curls, a pin curl, none of that until July. Wow, look at God. (laughs) I have clients that are booked to January of 2020. Mm -hmm. I don't even know what I'm doing in January in 2020, but they do. (laughs) So... Thinking about that, what is your specialty or what are you known for? What is your signature style? It is silk presses. I am known for my silk presses and my signature curls. I do everything with a flat iron. I curl with a flat iron. I straighten with a flat iron. And my signature curls look like I have took and roller set someone's hair and I have not touched a roller. Mm-hmm. How has keeping God first helped help your business to flourish? Oh my goodness! <laughs> oh my goodness! It's helped me in the beautiful, wonderful days, but it's also helped me in the days where I thought, "Oh my gosh, like I'm not gonna make it. Like, what am I doing?" And He constantly reminds me of what I'm supposed to be doing. He is that person that I am able to talk to and may not get the answer that I want or when I need it, but it allows me to feel better because I know that if he did it for somebody else, he's gonna do it for me. And then he'll remind me constantly of where he's brought me from. Mm -hmm. So when you are able to sit back and you know that you serve a God, that will take you from one place and bring you to another. And in those 19 years before I stepped out on faith and quit my job, he never made me not be able to have a way. I always had a way to be able to take care and provide. So he never left or left me nor you know, forsaken me. I always had him. But when I stopped and when I listened, my favorite scripture of all time is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 because I had to stop leaning on my own understanding and I just had to let go and once I did that it was so amazing the places that he took me and before I finally uh, got it in my head that I needed to do this I went to church and the message that the pastor, our pastor delivered, he said, um, he was talking about Peter with the five loaves of bread and the two fish. And he said, some of y'all have been sowing a seed for so long and now it's time for you to reap your harvest. He said, a lot of y'all are so busy worried about not having enough when God just wants you to know that you can feed multitudes. Mm. So, if without him, I don't even know where I would be. And if it wasn't for people praying for me, even when I wasn't praying for myself, I don't know where I would be. Mm -hmm. 
That's good. So when when you talk about God, I hear a message there. Do you see doing here as a ministry? Yes, definitely. Can you elaborate on that? Like how has keeping God first in your life and having a prayer life and reading your word and trusting and believing in God, how has that helped shape your relationship with your customers? It has allowed them to have a trust with me that is out of this world. When people come in and they are not only asking for me to do their hair and to complete a service on them, but they are asking me to pray with them. And I'm thinking to myself, who am I? (laughs) Like, (laughs) I just was talking to God and having doubt yesterday. But even through all of my mess, you still give me the opportunity to pray with someone. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about just praying for a job. This is praying over their health, praying traveling mercies, praying over their jobs. Like he just is allowing me to do stuff that I have to step back and be like, is you for real? real? Do you want me to do this? Not to them, but talking to him. So before I even get to praying, I just ask him, Lord, please take over. Give me, allow me to be able to pray for them what it is your will, what you want me to do. So people trust me in a whole nother light and they feel so much, you know, feel so comfortable with me. And I appreciate that. And by them sharing with me, it allows me at the end of the day to be able to just be so, just be so thankful. But then it also, one of my clients reminded me that as people, that we take on a whole lot of stuff. You take on a whole lot of people's problems and people's issues. So she reminded me that before I come in my house, that I need to pray over myself. Mm -hmm. And that way, whatever that went on throughout the day, I'm not bringing it into my house. And I never even thought about that. And she said to me, Tawana, I know that you do that already, don't you? I'm like, no, (laughs) not at all. Like, haven't been doing that. And I felt, you know, like, dang, that is beautiful. I need to do that. So that's a nugget, listeners. You know that you have friends and people on your job, your coworkers. They always come and ask for prayer or ask for advice and you're burdened down with it and it's not that you're burdened in a way where it's negative but you're helping them and you're seeking God and praying for those individuals that you need to ask God to cover you before you go into your home because you don't want to bring in all of that negativity with you like oh gosh I just heard this story and that story and it's just time for family to wind down that's a good point right there Mm -hmm. that's real good So we've been talking a little bit about your background and what you're doing right now and everything is good. I want want to ask you a question. (laughs) What is one thing that upsets you with doing hair? Because I know it's not all rainbows and unicorns. (laughs) What is one thing that upsets you about doing hair? It's people that don't listen. It is people that don't listen. That if I've told you, if I have went to school 
for this and I, and I don't know everything because grandma always taught me that in this business when you feel like you know everything you need to get out because it's ever changing and that's any business or anything it's always ever changing so you always have to adapt to what's new or um and not necessarily adapt if it's not something that you don't feel comfortable with but it's always something that's going on so not that I know everything but I feel like if I am telling you don't use this on your hair don't use that on your hair or do this to your hair and then you don't do it and then you come in and we still face with the same problem like that is so annoying to me because I'm like how are we fixing it it's like putting a band-aid on a bruise or a wound and then you don't let it heal you just keep ripping it off before it's able to be healed and when you're doing something it's a process like I say all the time I want to run uh to the mailbox which is only across the street from my house and lose 20 pounds <laughs> well that's not gonna happen I gotta run to that mailbox multiple times so I want people to understand that there is a process and if I am instructing you to do something then just listen to me because when you go to the doctor and he says well you need to take this medication nine times out of ten ain't nobody questioning him they just taking the medication so if you know God gives everybody a job and he gives them a job for a reason they go to school for that so listen and right now my biggest thing is edge control Lord Jesus, I cannot stand edge control, but that's a whole nother subject in itself. But that's just one of my pet peeves is that in the fact that, you know, people don't want to listen to their stylist. Do you have any, um, could you give any hair tip? What would be your go-to hair tip? That you, in order to maintain healthy hair, Regardless of if you want your ha- your healthy hair to be short, if you want your hair to be medium length or long, you have got to get your ends trimmed every six to eight weeks. That is a must. So even for those of you that may wear braids or that may be going on vacation and want to get a sew in, when you take that style down, if it's within that six to eight weeks time frame, you need to get your hair shampooed, deep conditioned, and you need to get your ends trimmed. Because without getting your ends trimmed, you're allowing the hair to just constantly keep splitting. And hair that keeps splitting is going to end up being see-through hair. So I tell people, hold up your hand and all five of your fingers are spread. Well, where your fingers are, are the thick part of your hair and inside the those fingers are the see-through hair so people feel like they have length but that hair is just see-through and it's damaged hair so if you don't maintain your hair even through any of your other styles then it's going to be damaged hair and uh, the other thing i want to say is when you're rinsing out conditioner um 
a lot of conditioners, if you're going underneath the dryer with it, then this doesn't really apply. But if you are just doing a shampoo and a conditioner and you're rinsing it out, you need to rinse it out with a cool or lukewarm water. Mm-hmm. Because that water being cool and lukewarm, it allows that moisture to be locked in that hair at the cuticle. And that way is sealing in the moisture and you are not... Um, having to worry about your hair being so dry. And the example that I give of that is if you were in the shower and you stayed in the shower and you got this constant hot water running on you, when you get out that shower, you are going to be so ashy and your skin is going to be so dry. Mm -hmm. So we have to take care and be mindful of our body, just like our, of our hair, just like our body. Mm -hmm. Because what we put in our body can sometimes, you know, affect our hair as well. That's good. You gave us a lot of good information. I thank you for joining us on Your Life Has Possibilities. Where can people find you? Um, I have booked an appointment, but you're booked up until July. Maybe somebody will cancel their appointment. So could you give us your information, your phone number, where they can find you on social media and the address to the hair salon? Yes, ma'am. So the um, hair salon, once again, is Coffeers, which um, stands for beauty. That is C as in cat, O-I, F as in Frank, F as in Frank, U-R-E-S as in Sam. The word hair, it is. And my um, the address to the shop is 1503 Maple Avenue, Northeast, Canton, Ohio, 44705. My email address is littleshoponmaple at gmail.com. My Facebook page is also Coffeers. Here it is. And then I also have Tawana Campbell Thompson. So I have two Facebook pages. Both of them are got hair displayed on them all the time. And, and my grandson. But then my um, my Instagram is I love hair 17 because I love hair. <laughs> and um, my telephone number, if you have any questions, any concerns about hair, I could talk about hair all day long. Y'all pray for my husband because I know he'd be tired of it. But my telephone number is 330-949-1185. So any questions or anything, um, just give me a text or, you know, shoot me a call and let me know. All right. Thank you, Tawana. Thank you. world we are back with our third interview which is my mother Jean Campbell I am so excited to be sitting here interviewing my mom about her career something I've seen her do basically my entire life and we are dedicating this episode to Madam CJ Walker for Black History Month so please sit back and enjoy hi mom hello so mom how long have you been doing hair I say about 25 years 25 years I can remember when you were a nurse and then you started going through hair school and I used to take the change out of your pocket 
go to the penny candy store and um, you love doing here you would come home and talk about what you learned in school and I remember you uh, studying and going to school to get your uh, license in cosmetology can you talk a little bit about um, your journey well the journey was that I always wanted to be uh, a hairdresser and a nurse so one day I did get a job nursing so I said, no, I better go on to school for nursing. It's because I felt like when I was young that um, I always used to do my own hair. And I used to do my hair like three times a day. My mom used to holler at me, get out of my bathroom. <laughs> uh, because I used to just have hair slinging everywhere. <laughs> or towels and things like that. So, you know, and I knew that... Uh, one day that I was going to become a cosmetologist, a beautician. And so that's when you applied for school? Yes, that's when I applied for school. So let's talk about, we used to live in Canton, Ohio, which is a smaller city. And um, you moved here to Columbus, Ohio, which is almost about three times the size of Canton. And... um we we live on the we used to live on the Mount Vernon Avenue side of town, which is considered the near east side here in Columbus, Ohio, and um, it's a little rough over there. But when you moved here, you started your hair career there. You've moved to several shops on that side of town. Can you talk about why you never left that side of town as a hairstylist? Well, I got used to Mount Vernon uh, area. I knew all the people, even though they say Mount Vernon. It's a bad area, but I knew everybody and I was comfortable um, serving the people. And that's where all the business was at that time. Okay. All the black businesses? Yes. Yeah, I remember it was so many hair shops over there and they had the homecoming. They would do the hair shows and um, you would see different stylists showing off their different techniques and things like that. Um, as a black hairstylist, do you think it's important for um, you to be diverse in your in your technique? Should you be able to do all types of hair? Well, um, it just depends on the um, individual. It's a choice that the um, I feel like the um, hairstylist should make. Um, everybody, you know, comfortable in what they do. Um, some people they like doing relaxers. Some people like doing pressing combs. Um, some people like doing um, roller sets. Some people like doing updo. So um, there's a lot of different things that we all can do. But some sometimes some people, um, they do things a little better than other people. So I think it should be diversity in um, hairstyling techniques and um, things like that. So what would you say your specialty I know what I think your specialty is, but what do you, what do you say? Uh, well, my specialty is just um, making my com- my uh, customers comfortable. Um, a good shampoo is one of your best things that I feel like you should give your customer because they come to relax and um, um, to get to know their hairstylist. You know, when you give a, um, a, a customer a good shampoo, then they can sort of like, sort of like figure out, you know, um, and know their hairstylist and what they can do and what they cannot do. 
I think your specialty is updos. Mm-hmm. I think you do a great job. Updos and sew-ins and weave. You do a great job with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I know that because you work on Mount Vernon, you see a lot of people who may have some different type of addiction or one or another. And um, you talk to a lot of people out there. And so, by you doing hair there's a, a difference from you just being a, a regular hairstylist just going in to do your customer's hair and leaving out. I see you doing more of like a ministry. Can you talk a little bit about what you do as a hairstylist in, um, on Mount Vernon Avenue? Well, you know, um, I come in contact with some of the, um, the drug addicts, um, people that, um, that do drugs. Um, I talk to them. You know, sometimes I find myself, maybe I might say, come on in the shop. You know, I might get him a free hairdo. I have done that. But, you know, um, I communicate with a lot of the people on Mount Vernon. You know, I make them feel good about themselves. And, you know, I minister to them and tell them that God loves them. And, you know, about the drugs and things like that. Good, good. Do you find that being a hairstylist gives you an opportunity to tell people about God? Yes, because we also are mentors and we are counselors. You know, when people walk into the shop, sometimes people come into the shop just to talk to someone or to um, just to get their hair done and relax and they find themselves communicating with their hairstylist, you know, so they can, you know, release some things that they might have inside that needs to come out. So sometimes their their hairstylist is one of their best friends. You know, when they come in, they, they just be looking for love. Mm-hmm. Um, they just be looking for somebody to, you know, to tell them, you know, how, how they look today. And, you know, they might, you know, tell them, you know, um, well, come on in, let me um, show you um, a certain you know, hairstyle that might look good on that, look good on you. Mm-hmm. And you know what I'm saying? And you know, and they, you know, you just make them feel good. So as a hairstylist, you boost their confidence. Yes, you boost yeah. their confidence. Yes, every woman wants to feel good, especially after they get their hair done. Do you have any hair tips for the listeners? The hair tips? Well, I think every woman should always want to feel good about themselves. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, go to the shop, get pampered. And, um, you know, so you can look good. That helps you out through the day. And uh, it makes you want to do better, whatever you're doing. might make you feel better on your job. Or even going to the grocery store or to the shopping centers and things like that. We all should look good. Women should all always look good. I don't care you can have on a pair of raggedy jeans. As long as that hair is, is, is banging and looking good, mm-hmm. you're looking good. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I don't care if you have on a pair of $100 pair of shoes, but if that hair ain't right, you ain't tight. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So do you have any hair tips about taking care of your hair, Mom? Well, um, I feel like this. You should... Um, Always um, consult your beautician. If you have a beautician, I feel like you should always consult your beautician. Ask what type of chemicals you can use. I mean, not chemicals, but um, shampoos, Mm -hmm. um, conditioners, you know, for home, while you're at home. 
you know, uh, you should always know what your beautician is using, mm-hmm. you know, on your hair when you come to the salon. That would give you some ideas what to use on your on your hair also. You can also look on um, YouTube, mm-hmm. you know, get some tips, you know, about treating your, um, your own hair until you get to the shop. But I think women always should keep their hair clean. I think they also should always keep their hair groomed. Yeah. Um, do you have any tips for new hairstylists? Any any women want to go to school, to cosmetology school? You have any tips for them? Yes, you know, um, be the best that you can be. Um, always listen and be teachable mm-hmm. because being a hairstylist, people think it's an easy task, but it's not because you got to be very very careful what you're doing, how you treat people's hair. So, as a hairstylist, you rent chairs at different salons, right? You can either open up your own salon, or if someone has a salon, you can go in and rent a chair. How do you maintain your business? Um, Because it's basically your own business when you're renting a chair, right? So, how do you maintain that over the years? How do you keep that going? Well, um, for one thing, you know, I... um, make sure that I keep my license up to date mm-hmm. and um, I make sure that I keep up to date with um, certain um, sanitation rules and um, make sure that um, you know um, I just take care you know my space yeah. my space and you know I make sure I keep my space clean my area clean um, so it can be inviting for my customers. So when they come in, you know, cause your, your space, when it's clean and invites the people in, it lets you, it lets them know about the hairstylist mm-hmm, also. Mm-hmm. So mom, how have you seen the hair industry change over the years? Well, it has been a lot of changes. Um, I look at hairstyles being changed, techniques, hair tools being changed, um, it's just the way people are doing certain things in the shop, changing. Um, it's just like people just, to me, people are is abusing the hair industry also. Um, they're doing hair in and out the house. Um, some people don't have their license, so um, they're not really looking at you know, the people that don't have their license, but the people that have their license, they're up on them more than the mm-hmm. people that, that don't have their license wow. and illegally doing hair in a, in their own home. But when they come to the shop, you know, they're making sure they see everything that we do. They're looking at the license. They're looking at your license numbers and making sure that you're legal. But there's a lot of people doing illegal hair in their home and they're not doing anything about it so that takes away our business wow you know what that's major (laughs) because those of you who have gone to school uh taken the test has proven yourself to the state that you're a licensed cosmetologist you're under the scope more than people who do hair in their home 
you know, because I, I know people who have hair salons set up in their basement and they shouldn't have that. Or, you know, people call them kitchen, kitchen hairstylists and people go to them and get their hair done. So that is something unique. Now, since we're dedicating this episode to Madam CJ Walker, how do you think she changed the game? How do you think she changed the world of hair? Well, she um, changed it by allowing people to use um, different and different techniques and different tools, hairstyles, mm-hmm. and things. And she made it possible for women um, to get the, get their hair done and and be more stylish, you know, and keep up to date with the hairstyles mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, I think she done a lot for the hair industries because um, she just allowed things to be changed, you know, to make changes uh, with with everything, with the um, the schools. Mm-hmm. She allows us to have schools to go in to learn about the knowledge of hair, mm-hmm. the knowledge of hair, and things like that. Uh, back, then, back then, they didn't have schools, you know, but now, you know, we have knowledge. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is why we go to school to get our hair license. And this is why we go to state board, you know, so we can pass the test so we can become entrepreneurs and good cosmetologists. Do you think women should put um, getting their hair done in their budget? I think so. Yes. You know, only thing you have to do is ask God, Lord, you say our hair is our glory. <laughs> And you talk to God about it, and He will make it happen. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you just have to stop eating all them hamburgers. I rather have my hair looking good than eating that big old fat hamburger every day. <laughs> you know, just ask God allow you. You know, the the the, the you know you can put ten dollars a week away. I mean, and you know, ten dollars a day away or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, and save me a little money and get your hair done and keep your hair looking good. Yeah, keep your hair looking good. So, one last question. Um, what is your favorite thing about doing hair? What is what is the thing that you like the most? Doing hair? Oh, sometimes. The, the, oh, well, I'm going I'm to be honest. Um, the people and the money. Mm-hmm. People and the money. Because I love working with people. Mm-hmm. And I love talking with people. Mm-hmm. All right, Mom. I thank you for joining us on Your Life Has Possibilities. I'm glad that God gave you the dream to become a hairstylist. You do such a great job, and you're such an inspiration. And um, I thank you for that. All right, everyone, I do hope that you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. It is dedicated to Madam C.J. Walker. want to read you some brief information about her. Madam C.J. Walker was actually born Sarah Breedlove, and she became an African-American entrepreneur, philanthropist, and political and social activist. Madam C.J. Walker was considered the wealthiest African-American businesswoman and wealthiest self-made woman in America at the time of her death in 1919. I do hope that this episode provided you some insight 
on the hair industry and what it means to be an entrepreneur. I know there's plenty of listeners who are thinking about becoming small business owners and nothing is impossible. Remember to keep God first, stay prayed up, read your word, remain positive, be a light and remain focused and take off the seatbelt. Hello world, it's Charmaine Campbell and I'm back with Your Life Has Possibilities and today I have Ohio Gap Closers joining me, Emily Porter and Taylor Porter, brother and sister team. Could you all tell the world a little bit about who you are? Yeah, go ahead Emily, kick it off. We are here representing Ohio Gap Closers. Our mission um, is to improve the academic achievements of our foster youth. We want to build capacity. We want to strengthen our communities, strengthen our homes, strengthen our schools. And we work towards that every single day. We're the Ohio Gap Closers. And um, I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much, Charmaine. This is a really cool opportunity. And um, for me, before I even talk about Ohio Gap Closers, um, I should talk about my little sister who's right beside me emily um and you know before we get to the business it's about family that's who we are that's what Mm -hmm. we do and uh although emily is my little sister i definitely look up to her um hard-working smart creative goal-oriented and um for me being an older brother it's been kind of unique to be able to watch her grow and now we're at a place to where we have our own day job like our professional career um, but we got something that we're cooking up and it's called Ohio Gap Closers. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. We'll see how it all turns out. Em, I am sorry. You are Emily Raglan, newly married, <laughs> newly wed. Yes, yes. So we want to correct that for the record. Emily Porter is now Emily Raglan. <laughs> so the two of you, could you tell the world a little bit about Ohio Gap Closers? What is this? What do you do? So um, Ohio Gap Closers, and um, there's two ways I explain it. So... One way for me to explain it is it's it's the perfect meeting place of professionalism and passion. And so as a professional, I work um, as a high school administrator. I got over 1,500 kids in my school, and our goal is to make sure they graduate, turn into really productive, um, high-functioning members of our society, go on to college, start businesses, maybe go to the military, whatever it's going to be after high school. Um, But it's education-focused. And so that's my professional life. Uh, but my passion is really um, in the spirit of family building. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to create Ohio Gap Closers with the goal of kind of bringing two industries together, whether it's the K through 12 education system or the higher college and university education system and kind of meeting in the middle and merging with foster care and adoptions, because this is a subgroup that's really, really overlooked. So Ohio Gap Closers is, is the perfect meeting place of passion and professionalism. And that's the gap we're looking to close. Um, and I will, I will try to not become emotional when I say the other, you know, reason why Ohio Gap Closers was created. And we got this cool name. Maybe it's cool. Maybe it's not. But it's called Ohio Gap Closers, right? It could actually be called um, Louise Porter because everything that we do, everything we want to do, everything we're kind of strategizing on how to do, it was already done um, for 60 plus years uh, by, our, by our mother, right? And so the cool part is, um, you know... And I should say about my mom, I think she's the best mom in the world. Not only do I think it, um, I could probably prove it. Like with data, with awards, with recognition. Like there's actual metrics for me to be able to categorically say, 
how me and my sister had the best mom anybody could ever hope for. Um, and so just based on the way she lived and she took care of our family, um, that really was um, kind of the, the spark behind Ohio Gap Closers coming to fruition. Um, so, yeah. That's good. That's good. Em, you have anything to add? Yeah, and like Taylor mentioned, we are family-oriented, um, and so this is a family business. We've got some amazing partners that are working with us um, that are professional colleagues, but also all of our family is involved in Ohio Gap Closers, and we're really excited about it um, to pour out what has been given to us. So can you talk about some of the services you all provide based off of what's been poured into you? Yeah, our goal really is to build capacity. So saying that, we don't directly provide services to children, um, to youth, um, but we do build the capacity for those who serve them. And so that would be people in positions as teachers, as anyone in education, as foster parents, um, as school administrators. For myself, I work on a college university. So we provide education, we provide tools in their hands to be able to serve those students, to serve those youth to the best of their ability. Um, So we have already been active um, since our founding and presenting at different conferences, um, providing different trainings towards those populations so that they are able and equipped with the best information to actually help us close the gap. That's good stuff. You know, I heard both of you mention foster care and all three of us being in the field of education, we know that everyone's experience is different. You know, some people come from a two-parent home. Some people may be in a single-parent home. Some children may, you know, have been raised by their grandparents and foster care. Mm-hmm. So growing up in a home where you saw foster children, you know, in and out of your home and your mother and father adopted some children, mm-hmm. how do you think that influenced the foundation of Ohio Gap Closers? And this is a two-part question. How do you think that influenced and how do you think that will affect children here in Central Ohio? Because we have a great deal of foster children here and a lot of different networks that serve foster children. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they get overlooked. So so what do you all feel about that as it relates to Ohio Gap Closers? Yeah, so I want to go back and double down on what Emily said about building capacity, but I also want to speak to like just that specific niche of foster care and those foster care students in education. So backtracking, um, building capacity, because there's... um, there's some really good human beings in our mm-hmm. community and in the world, right? And if you are connected to education, you know how hard it is to be a highly effective teacher, to be a non-effective teacher, just to be in a building with a class full of 25 to 30 kids, seven periods a day, you're serving over 160 kids. That is hard work. Mm-hmm. You're not getting paid a million dollars. So you really have to have some character, character trait that's about love and passion and community to even be in that industry. Mm-hmm. And what's really cool for me is I've spent about five years um, working from um, county agencies or state agencies and children's services and social work. Those character traits are also in social workers. Mm-hmm. And so these two institutions don't really interact directly all the time, mm-hmm. um, but we're serving the same kids. We want the same kids to be successful. We want the same kids to be healthy. And this niche of foster care children, which in Ohio, um, there's over 15,000 kids in foster care, that's a subgroup that's not on your application. It's not on your demographics page. And so it goes 
unspoken, unnoticed, and unserved, they're underserved. So when we say build capacity, it really is about closing that gap between people that already care, but it's just um, maybe a small lack of awareness. And so hopefully we can attack that. Um, I hope I'm not being too long-winded. You're this not. Is, this um, is good. You know, yeah, all the listeners, real. they need to understand, you know, the different subgroups we have in the education field as well as just period in our yeah. cities you know and foster children you may come across them at any given time and you need to know how to approach them how to provide that support mm-hmm. because being in a foster care is trauma alone you know and Ooh. those children need that support Say that again they just need that support and so when we think about your life has possibilities this is the group one of the groups that I would love to reach and I love what you all are doing and um, it just it it just makes sense for you to reach such a group that oftentimes people overlook Mm -hmm. you know or they think that oh people are doing foster care for the money but there are people who do foster care that truly love and care you gotta have something in your heart for this foster care I'm telling you and, and what people don't understand is that God has made us a steward over the earth and so when you think about that this leads into our next question how has your spiritual life helped shape how you all relate to individuals within Ohio Gap Closers when you do um, your workshops and presentations and things of that nature how has your spiritual life helped shape the decisions you all make I think it really goes back to um, what Taylor was mentioning about um, how we were raised and the influence of our mom. Um, And so just to give a little bit more background on that, there are 13 of us siblings. Um, Wow. Lots of us. 13. (laughs) 13 of us siblings. Um, And our parents, uh, where we were raised in a small town, Alliance, Ohio, some people may know it. Um, we actually did not attend the, the city school there. We attended another school in the local area, um, which was a predominantly white school. 97% white, if and, you look it up. So were you guys uh, the only black? Think about that, so, right? It's 13 of us in a small, mm-hmm. small town in a school district that's 97% white. Mm-hmm. That means the other black kids are your brothers and sisters. Exactly. So, and so I mean, <laughs> our foster kids, our foster siblings were of all ethnicities. We did not just have black, we did not just have white, we had um, siblings with uh, different abilities or disabilities, um, some may call it. And so we were raised in one home with one bathroom with all of us in that same home. And so our parents invested in us as, as people, as individuals every single day and in our spiritual life. Um, so in a small town, we attended a small family church. And so we... Well, the church used to rock, though. She was over there. <laughs> well, yes, it did. When I went to visit, it was rocking. It's yeah. still rocking yes, today. Yeah. <laughs> still rocking. Yes. Now, you can imagine in yeah. a small church, everybody does everything. Mm-hmm. And so we learned so much about um, who, not only who God was and how he was going to be our God, how he was going to be our guide, how he is our father and our guide. But we also learned a lot about uh, who we are as professionals and people. Mm-hmm. I learned how to public speak in church. Bless. I learned how to teach. I started teaching Sunday school classes, I think at 15 or so. Mm-hmm. And so God has been with me, with Taylor, with our entire family, even before. And the scripture says it. 
we are doing a work that we know that God is being honored through because there's a need. And you mentioned it, Charmaine. It's our responsibility. Mm -hmm. And our mom thought it was. Our dad, uh, to this day, still thinks that it is. And we think it is. And because of God, we have the strength to go forward. And also, he has given us really um, influence, right? Mm -hmm. Because God gives favor to those who are doing his will. And we don't take it for granted. Amen. And, you know, I think oftentimes people aren't satisfied with where they are spiritually. And so they look for other things in the world. And that's where people get, you know, lost. But I think with an organization such as Ohio Gap Closers, you are filling that gap per se to help those who may be lost or feeling like Mm -hmm. they don't fit in. Because when you're a foster child, I can only imagine my mom and my dad didn't want me. That's what you're thinking because I'm not with them and I'm going to school and I'm seeing other people bring their parents to parent-teacher conference or they bring their parents to open house but I come with my foster mom Mm -hmm. and I might be a white child or Hispanic child and I'm coming into the school with a black family Mm -hmm. so Taylor how do you think your spiritual life has helped oh yeah so for me um I really think um spiritual life growing up in a church and then the dynamics of our family really taught me um how to be an executive, how to be a business leader, how to be a business owner, how to be a professional. And the examples of that, Emily already hinted at, understanding how to speak out loud. And I remember remember being young and our dad would say, hey, if no one can understand you, just, just stop and start over. Because we're not here for the mumbling. We're not here for the whispering. And I recall this specifically when I was tasked, did not want to, I had to emcee like this big, choir singing event in our small town (laughs) and I did it because um you know somebody thought I had the ability to do it and I didn't think I had it um so begrudgingly I went up there and then way down the line those skills whether it's being an usher singing in the choir um doing some of the um other tasks that you have to do in the church it really trained me um on how to just really have customer service uh be a servant and punctuality. Um, we actually have punctuality awards um, mm-hmm. for programs in church. So just understanding those three facets were huge coming from the church. And um, this this idea of closing the gap, it's been, especially in me and probably Emily, based on our family dynamics of 13 siblings, right? Mm-hmm. We're both in the middle of that family. Mm-hmm. So I've got um, three younger sisters, one younger brother, everybody else is older. And so being in the school, you can see students to staff, generational gaps, technology gaps, communication barriers. This is a thing that's been going on since I was born, right? <laughs> My youngest brother and oldest brother, who are about 25 years apart, don't speak the same language. Right. So when I say that gap closers is what we call it today, this is something Luis, Luis Porter started years and decades ago. Mm-hmm. So we've been closing gaps since, we, since we've been walking this earth. And thank God we're still healthy enough and have their minds on us to try to reach out to the community and give some of these skills to people that can help kids. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was looking at your website, I just love the acronym and how it all yes. connects. It's just crazy. Ohio Gap Closers, OGC, yep. Overcome. Give thanks and, give and contribute. Thanks and that's, contribute. That's can we talk about that? Mm-hmm. I love the name, the acronym, and what it stands for. Let's let's get into that. Yeah, for sure. So we, um, we knew that we wanted to do something to affect the foster care system. And then once we got out of the family, the emotional, 
the passion. We had to understand like this is actually a business we're trying to create, right? Mm -hmm. So we had to have like strategy, um, business coaching, mm -hmm. consultants, yep. and like actual professionals steering us and guiding us, right? So this isn't Taylor and Emily with a notepad just doing sketches and slapping it up. We actually went through some specific coaching, invested some personal finances to make sure things were done right. Let's talk about that. Let's get into the coaching and yeah. the um, the uh, mentors that Ooh. you all sought yeah. out mm -hmm. and what it took to get to where you're at today. Because, you know, I hear people say they want to do something big and that leads into our next question. Mm -hmm. um, but we'll hold off for a second. What did it take for you all to come up with the ideas and say, hey, this is what we're going to do. And I know these are the individuals we need to seek and schedule meetings with. Yeah. What was that process like? Because people don't understand. You have to crawl before you oh, walk. And you have to put in that man out. Absolutely. And so I'll, I'll start mm -hmm. off and I'll pass it to you. Um, but I'll say we, we... So I heard an old African proverb that said something along the lines of, if you want to go fast, go alone. Mm -hmm. If you want to go far, go together. Mm -hmm. So step one for me was understanding that I can have all these ideas. I want to honor my mother. But this doesn't work if I don't surround myself with the right people. And not the right people because we're friends, but the right people because of hard work, goal-oriented, and punctuality. So making sure we had a cohesive group that could work together and be professional, be punctual, goal-oriented, that's a big deal. Um, backing up for a second, we spent a year really um, brainstorming and creating um, momentum with just the concept, right? Mm -hmm. So as we build capacity in professionals, we're building capacity within the community and potential clients, um, whatever our market might be. So we spent a lot of time before we even got to the table with you to talk about what we have coming up at this point. So surrounding yourself with strategic partners that have actual skills that are good for business, not good to give you affirmations about how cute you are, mm -hmm. not here to tell you how cool you are, and really not how many IG followers you have right. because those, those IG follower, followers, that's not your target audience when you're talking about contracts, okay? Let's get into it. Uh -huh. So you have to really, really understand you're going to start a business because mm -hmm. your emotions and you're mm -hmm. passionate, yeah. but you've got to be able to compartmentalize emotion and passion to the side. We're going to talk strategy, data, metrics, and numbers. Mm -hmm. And so we spent a year kind of kicking this around, hiring coaches from the community or hiring coaches from out of state to make sure we could even think straight Mm -hmm. Because this isn't about today. That would be um, an embarrassment to myself and my family and my mother mm -hmm. if we were here today and gone tomorrow. So if this is going to go far, we're going to go together. We're going to hire professionals to help us get there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and Taylor actually participated in some startup training as well here in Columbus. Um, so that helped with developing. You know, we have the passion. We are seeing issues every day so we kind of know what we want um, but we needed some extra training on getting our our vision and our mission to a point and to a T developing the website developing all of our content and so it was so much more than just this is what we want to do we needed to have that um, the training ourselves to know that we're going to be effective and for me I was so grateful when Taylor you know started to put the word out it has been a <laughs> while because I have a passion more particularly in higher education and that sometimes you feel burnt out because you're working so hard trying to get every student and every family the best access but if I could actually help other people have the capacity to do that 
I would be able to go a little bit further. Absolutely. And so it goes directly to what we're doing at Ohio Gap Culture. So what I heard both of you saying, you went to work after work. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Once, you don't want to, you don't, do you want to know? Yeah. Let's talk about this. Let's so get this into is, this. this is, this <laughs> is, like, I'm not crazy. Maybe I am. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't sleep. Most big dreamers, that's like, not. I don't sleep. Not at all. I, I can't. <laughs> I should. I will probably on Saturday. What's today? Thursday? Yeah. I'll sleep on Saturday night. Okay. But for the next 48 hours, I have my day job, which I wouldn't have any opportunity to build something if I don't take my day job so serious uh-huh. and meet every single goal that's put in front of me. And yes. so there's never going to be a conflict with my day job because that is, that's priority one, just because I have a family, right? I have a wife and daughter. Mm-hmm. Let's be smart about this. But when I go home at five o'clock, um, I've got from five o'clock to midnight to do Ohio Gap closers. That's a whole nother shift, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. I'm commuting um, two hours a day to my day job. Mm-hmm. I'm currently enrolled in um, classes over at Ohio State because I would like to pursue my doctorate. I'm in year one of a three-year program. Wife and daughter working with 1,500 kids during my day job. And here we go talking about Ohio Gap closers. How bad do you want this? Let's go. You can you can release those endorphins and talk about it, but are you going to actually say emotions aside, let's get to work? Mm-hmm. And, and that's what it's about, you know. In one of my other podcasts, I said, take the seatbelt off. Yes, mm-hmm. the seatbelt is there to protect you from a crash. Right. But if you're putting God first, you're praying, you're in your Word, and you are meditating on His Word, and you know that God has put something down in your heart. Why are you not going for it? He's going to make a way for you. Mm-hmm. He's going to provide you with the resources. Man. And so many people are living beneath their privilege. It blows my mind mm-hmm. that we are under an open heaven. He wants us to prosper. Yeah. If you haven't heard it or listened to it, G.E. Patterson, I was listening to it this morning. Yeah. He has a sermon that says, God wants you to prosper. Mm-hmm. And he gives you everything that you need to get there. So why do you think people are hesitant to make bigger moves for their life? Man, let me jump in when you want, but I, I feel prepared. I feel <laughs> Come prepared. On, let's, let's go. Um, I may have had a cup of coffee before I came in, so I feel good. <laughs> it's um, it can be, in my opinion, I don't, I don't know if I'm an expert, but it's like a perfectionism or fear or fear masked with perfectionism, right? Mm-hmm. The only perfect person I know is God. That's it. He didn't ask me to be perfect. He didn't ask you to be perfect. He didn't ask the CEO of any company to be perfect, right? And so when we we have these passions or ideas or anything like, let me back up. Whatever you use in your life, whether it's your car, your hair dryer, the coffee you drink, right? It wasn't perfect the first time. Mm -hmm. So for you to talk about, I want to start a business, you take the seatbelt off Mm -hmm. and you go after it. When you do it right, be proud of that. If you do it wrong... It's not a failure. It's called a learning experience. Mm -hmm. So as you go down this journey of you want to start something, you want to be about something. Yes, you strive to do your best, but I don't have to be perfect in this. I just have to understand everything's a learning experience. Mm -hmm. I'm going to learn from it and I'm going to come right back and create something even better. Mm -hmm. So we can we can say like, oh, it has to be just that's like people saying I want to come to salvation. Well, I want to wait. I got to pay a bill and I'm going to do this. I'm gonna... No, no, no. You go right now right and you'll get better every week, every yeah. day, every second. It's a mm-hmm. gradual, it's a gradual process to perfection. It's not like I'm going to wait till it's, you can wait till it's perfect and you're going to die. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. You know what? I think doesn't right. Kirk Franklin have, right. have a song? 
I'm gonna live before I die. Yes, he does. Yes, yes. Man. So he talks about that. Mm-hmm. You want somebody to sing? That's on you and me. No. I, I can't. <laughs> not gonna sing. I know y'all don't want me to sing. Right? No. <laughs> so, so why do you think people are hesitant to do things bigger? And they have the potential. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I think um, sometimes people, everything Taylor said, the fear of not knowing where to start, when to start, all of that is absolutely true. But I also think that sometimes people do need a nudge. Um, from somebody else. And so I think that's where we come into play, where you could come into play, where people, not people who have arrived, right? Because none of us have arrived, but people who know what hard work is, Mm -hmm. who work hard every day, um, who people who have goals. And I think that for me personally and professionally, that has come through mentors, that has come through friends, that has come now through business partners who are family and friends. Um, So I think sometimes people do need a nudge from somebody who has maybe not even been there but somebody who also has goals but the problem is sometimes people are just not in the right circles and so this gets back to we talked about the comparison of salvation and uh the the title of this podcast your life has possibilities how do you know your life has possibilities if no one has ever told you no one around you has ever sought anything out in their life. How do I know that my life has possibilities? And that is why there is such a need. <laughs> there is such a need for everything that we're doing, everything that you're doing. All There's just such a need and there really is no time to rest. Now, I will only take one call from Taylor every other day because I just can't. <laughs> I need to have a little bit of a break personally. But there really Grind. is no... <laughs> there really is no Sleep. rest. For what? There's no rest. And we talk about this um, even at church. You know, I can't be so focused on somebody else's faults, somebody else's issues. When I have all of my own that take up 100% of my time. But sometimes people need a nudge. And it's my responsibility to tell everyone that I come in contact with, there is an option for you. Mm -hmm. There is a possibility for you. And I, I won't rest until everybody knows. So, M, you opened up a segue for the next question. How important is mentoring? Because if someone needs a nudge, there needs to be an individual around them in their ear Mm -hmm. being an example for them. So, how important is mentoring? And does either one of you mentor someone at this time? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, go ahead. I think, uh, honestly, mentors are the way to go. I could not uh, really suggest anything better there are things that people can do. They can read books. They can even talk to their supervisor or their director or whatever. But that that mentor really serves the role, like Taylor mentioned, to support and challenge. That is the role of a mentor, to support you, but also to challenge you. To not uh, cuddle you in and giving you everything all soft and warm, but to challenge you while supporting you. Um, personally, um, in my professional life, I have had a mentor um, since being in college. Um, and she has helped me get to my profession at the level I am now mm-hmm. um, and it's sometimes you hear that saying it's who you know and some of that does have a play it's it really does um, and so I'm grateful for the mentors that I have I do now have the opportunity to mentor others in my profession um, I do look for the opportunity personally especially spiritually for me um, through church or just through people that I meet that I can pour into because 
I'm not one without the other. I'm not just a professional. I, I am a believer in God and I live for him daily. And I want to be sure that I can put that out um, in my professional life for Absolutely. people who are looking to advance. Um, sometimes people advance and they, they don't profess to have a relationship with God, but it's not going to be able to be, to be sustained if God is not with you. So, so yes, I believe in mentors. I encourage them. You can read all the books that you want on, on mentoring and coaching. Um, but sometimes it's hard to find the mentor. And that's what I'm, I'm really hoping I'm getting across right now. Um, if you feel like you have something to offer, then you likely do. Mm-hmm. Find somebody who is in need of that. And it's not a huge time commitment. You don't have to be with somebody an hour a day or even an hour a week. Um, because we have such great technology, you could uh, email or text or something. A mentor is there to support and challenge. And we all have something that we can offer to anyone at any level. Um, so hopefully that's getting across with them. That's good. Yeah. yeah. That's good. And I think that that's, I would double down on that once again and say, you know, as, and for me, I have a, a pretty unique professional background coming from social services going to business school and then getting into education. But I, I just really challenge myself to look across institutions, across industry. I can talk about basketball and say, like, LeBron James, he has a coach, mm-hmm. right? We can talk about the great author of Between the World and Me, Tanisi Coates. He oh, has an editor. Right. Like, mm-hmm. what person that's at the top of their game doesn't have some, some form of checks and balances, that's right? It. That's a mentor. Accountability. So mm-hmm. absolutely, I believe mentors are important. I absolutely have mentors. I have one mentor um, that I, I may speak to him once a year just because I know the level of his schedule and how crazy it is. But when we connect, it's like very, very um, meaningful. And I learn from those moments. I have other mentors where I might meet with once a week. You know, mm-hmm. it just kind of depends. And you don't have to have one, you don't have to have three. But for me... Um, I probably have three mentors, one male, two females, um, one in business, two in education. Mm -hmm. But I think it's really important to have an editor, to have someone to give you feedback, to have someone that can even be a sounding board, right? Mm -hmm. Like um, like I said, LeBron has a coach, Tanisi Coates has an editor. Brock has Michelle. Like some, you gotta have somebody. You gotta have somebody. So, <laughs> you gotta have somebody. <laughs> That's good. I, and you know the sounding board piece is mm-hmm. what's important because sometimes people just need to get things off their chest. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know they're going through so much. They're going through the press, and they feel like there's no one else that's been through it. And for you to be an example and say, "Hey, I've experienced." what you're going through and this is where I am now and a lot of people as we said when they want to do something big they're afraid of failure Mm -hmm. they're hesitant because of that and I think as a mentor you can help them to know hey I failed at this but I didn't give up I kept going Mm -hmm. you know there's a great poem out there don't quit and I feel like everyone should learn rest if you must but don't you quit don't Don't get me started in here don't you ever quit because that's what the enemy wants us to do Mm -hmm. he wants you to quit Mm-hmm. He wants you to stop. He don't. He does not want to see you prosper or to make gains in your life because mm-hmm. then when you get there, you're going to help someone else. Absolutely. And then we're building the kingdom now. Mm-hmm. We're, 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 we're linking chains. Mm-hmm. And he does mm-hmm. not want the chains to link. So That's if we link right. a chain, guess what we're going to do? We're going to build a fence mm-hmm. and we're going to close the what? Close the gap. We're going to close the gap. I love you it. Know? Let's go. So, it's it's just the enemy is just trying to destroy trying to destroy us in any way he can but um i just love this conversation and this commentary we're coming to the end but i wanted to know if you guys had any closing thoughts anything for the listeners 
uh, relating to Ohio Gap closers or yourself, any advice, just anything you would like to let them know. Um, you want to start? Go for it. Okay, so <laughs> I want to encourage everybody um, to, to take care of your family, um, eat healthy, think healthy, turn off the TV, mm-hmm. read a few more books. If you feel a certain thing, open your mouth and express it, right? Family is so important, and the goal for us is to really build stronger families by, by the medium of education. And so I just want to really, whoever's listening, take care of yourself and take care of your family. Um, and then on the business front, uh, for me, um, be creative, you know? You can you can look at the model, you can get the coaching. Don't be afraid um, to, to go out there and try something new. And as you're writing the story of your business or the story of your life, you get to determine when it's a comma or when it's a period. So when you fall, when you fail, it's not over. I didn't fail. That's the end of the chapter. Time for chapter two, right? So I I decide when it's a comma and when it's a period. So don't be afraid of failure. Have fun with the failure. And just think about the stories you can tell on the other side of that failure. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah, I also, um, I just want to add, I really feel strongly that... um, if we do what we're doing now well, um, the opportunities will open up for us. And so wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whether it's your day-to-day job, make sure that you're performing at 100% and beyond. Um, and that goes for everything. Uh, Taylor mentioned take care of your family. That's number one. Take care of your actual job that you're doing. That definitely comes into play so that you're ready to move forward and be organized. We can't move forward if we can't be organized. We don't know where to start. We don't know. That's part of the anxiety that Punctual- people I have. Punctual- Does everybody know what punctuality means? Can you define Some punctuality? Some people don't know. Don't be on time. That's be late. before time. Listen. Before time. Come on now. So, Punctual. So be organized. Have a journal. Uh, one of the earlier podcasts talked about journaling. I am a practicer of journaling for probably a decade now. Um, and it has really helped. Whatever your topic is, however you may feel, whatever ideas come to you, write them down. Write it down so that that vision can come to pass for you. So do um, Ohio Gap Closers have any upcoming events? Uh, yeah. Party, 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 upcoming... party. Oh, it's a party. Uh, yes. Yeah, so we... um. Like I said, we had a soft launch or a quiet launch, and we went through the process of becoming legal and professional back in January 2018, but now we have gotten to that place to where it's time to take our passion to the public. Uh, March 28th, we're going to have some fun. We're going to network. We got Bobby Rags Trio, maybe a few cocktails, maybe a few hors d'oeuvres. We'll see. Uh, but March 28th, um, over in Grandview, you can get all details at OhioGapCultures.com. Um, we're going to have a launch party and a networking event mm-hmm. to really just take this idea to the public and see if we can help some kids. So how can they get in touch with you? Your website, um, contact social. information, social media, Ohio Gap Closers, yeah. all things we, um, Ohio Gap Closers. So with that being said, last business tip, I know the interview's over, but lock down your real estate. You have digital real estate. Mm-hmm. You can find us at Ohio Gap Closers everywhere. Okay, so it's all lowercase, all one word, Ohio Gap Closers on Twitter, Ohio Gap Closers on IG, Ohio Gap Closers on Facebook, Ohio Gap Closers at Gmail, OhioGapClosers.com. Consistent, mm-hmm. encourage you all that's thinking about a business, lock down your real estate, mm-hmm. take care of your name, get your branding right, OhioGapClosers.com. 
I love it. I love it. Listeners, I do hope that you've enjoyed this episode of Ohio Gap Closes. Remember the OGC, overcome, give thanks, and contribute. Peace. What? <laughs>